I enjoyed that sermon series that we just came out of and, and just, I loved it when, you know, it's when pigs fly, right? I mean, who would think we could get something biblical out of something like that, all right? But you know, what we're going to do in these next few weeks, and Easter's approaching us, I love Easter, I love that season, I love being, you know, reflective of what Christ has done for us, but that shouldn't just be a season, should it? That should be something that's continual in our lives, where we are always reflecting on what God has done and what ultimate gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ. But I've been challenged in this topic of faith recently, digging into it, trying to figure out what exactly the intent was there. What, what is faith? How do I you know, use it in my life? How do I make it applicable? You know, what do I expect? What do you expect? You know, um, it's amazing to see how things change. And to me, it's amazing to see what God has done in our lives. It's amazing to see what God has done in our lives individually. But I've, as a pastor, I've got to say this. It's amazing to see what God has done just within this church. Amen? Now, follow me here this morning because, look, we can all look back at family pictures, right? You see shifts of what have taken place, you know? When that yearly Facebook reminder comes up to show you what has happened with your friendships throughout the year, you can look back on that and see the progression of the friends you've gained, the relationships that have been built. We can all look back and within our lives and take notice of the things that have been what I feel has been appropriated by God for your life. See, we all go through seasons, seasons of change. There's moments where we are very enthusiastic over these changes. We're excited about them. But then there's also times when those changes approach us that we go, oh, really, God? I mean, did we really need to go into that? Did that really need to happen? For me, I look back on my life and I remember very uh, vividly June, I think it was June the 13th, 2007, when I received a phone call to contact who was then your pastor, John Thorne. A moment that I did not realize would change me, change me <laughs> drastically in my life. I remember coming to this island on July, uh, actually August the 13th, again, another 13, that's crazy how that worked out, isn't it? August the 13th, that same year, moving here and going to the Birchwood and staying in that hotel for three weeks and talking to a man that I still have a hard time understanding everything. <laughs> I, just because I love you, man. It's amazing when we look back and we see some reflective moments within our lives and we can see where change happens. Look in your life, change that's happened. Little did I know that when I, on August the 13th, notice these 13s keep happening in my life, of that same year of 2007, I would meet with who would be my future wife in Andrea. Absolutely. Never forget that moment. She doesn't remember it, but I do. That's all that matters, right? 
You know, looking at these moments within your life, and and we can all go through them, we can see where change was appropriated, where change was needed, and where God begins to coordinate and set things up. It's kind of like a domino effect, right? Boom, boom, boom. It just kind of happens. It falls in order. It falls in line. I'll never forget. I asked her to marry me. Little did I know how much my life was going to change. I become a husband, an instant father. Wasn't prepared for that one. You know, I remember when uh, she told me that she was pregnant with Carter and how exciting that was. And then I look back and I had to remind myself of how excited I truly was. All the moms and dads can agree with me on that one, right? Oh, my goodness. And then I remember vividly change that happened for me here at this church when I was asked to consider to becoming the next pastor. You could look back on all of these life events. I look back on them in my life, and you have to, because we need to be reminded of what God is doing and appropriating and shifting things and lining things up to fulfill. Because watch this, many times you live life and you unalign sometimes what God is trying to line up. And God at times has to require these changes to happen. Why? To set us where we need to be. Some of the most impactful moments in our lives are really ushered in by what are some of the most important questions within our lives. So I'm going to ask this question, as I already have, and that is simply this, what do you expect? That's a great question. It's what we're going to look at in this series. We're going to see why, really, I feel, and appropriately, what God feels is so important about this. There are a lot of things that we look forward to, but I believe that challenge, That is before each one of us specifically is the what. In other words, what are you specifically expecting in your life? What are you expecting God to do? What is it that that jumps instantaneously to your mind? You know, here's what I've learned. By asking myself this, is this, expecting is simply this, a tool that we often do not will, follow me here, it's a tool that we often do not will in the level that God wants us to will. In other words, God, I'm expecting great things. Okay, like what? What are you expecting to happen in your life? What are you expecting God to do? A lot of times, we'll, you know, if, if I were to come up to you and say, well, what, what, what's going on? What, what are you expecting? Here, here's what the response a lot of times ends up. Well, um, yeah, well, you know, um, yeah, you see, uh, can I get back to you? We want God to do, but what do you want God to do? We lose sight many times of the promises that God has laid before us because we get caught up And so much of our wants, it kind of lines up with last week's message, that the provision that God provides gets somewhat overlooked. Now, we're going to study a tool that has been given to us, a tool that is very powerful, that you have been given within your Christian life, and that is simply the tool of faith. The problem is, is we don't know how to grasp this concept. We don't know how to understand. We've never truly defined what faith is and how you experience faith 
within your life. We think it, it boils down to an attitude or positive thinking. I want you to know this. Faith is so much more than that. Faith is one of the most important tools that you will ever have when it comes simply to receiving the most within your Christian wall. Scripture says that we are, what? Only what? Saved by faith. That simply without faith, we can't please God. Also, we can't receive from God unless what? We receive in faith. Here's what I want you guys to grab a hold of really quick before we get into anything else on this. Faith is not a positive attitude and it's not an emotion. Faith is something that is instantaneously given into your life the moment that you accept Jesus Christ. Because we understand that every good and faithful and perfect gift is what? Provided by who? God. Faith is a tool that God wants you to use and utilize within your life. But the problem is, is we get so caught up or watch this. We define it improperly by thinking it is something that we need to work toward. Faith is something that you have. It's accessing the faith that becomes the difficulty. Now, there are a lot of believers, there are a lot of followers of Jesus who are unsatisfied with where they are living. You know, the kind of the day-to-day, Sunday-to-Sunday, not understanding, not grasping, not seeing God's power being dominant or demonstrated simply within their life. Knowing that they are meant for more, but simply settling for so much less. I want that to resonate inside of you for a moment. Many of you are sitting here today, and here's how I know that you are meant for more, because all of a sudden there has become a hunger for you to be here. There's been a desire for you to be into the house of God. There's been a desire for you to participate in a 21-day fast. There's been a desire for you to join a life group. There's been a desire for you to get involved in a ministry aspect. There's been a desire for you to want more of God in your life, but we simply settle for less. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You've settled in relationships before. You knew you weren't supposed to get into that relationship, but what did you do? It was there, it was convenient, and you simply what? Settled for less. It's kind of like buying a minivan. How did I know I was going there? I didn't, it just came out of my mouth. You go to the dealership. You see all the room it's got, but you want that other thing over there, and you settled for less. And then you trade it in three years later, and you get what you want, right? You know what we do so much is we settle for less when it comes to God. We, and when we do this, what we're truly doing is taking the power out of his hands and saying, God, I'm not seeing, happening. I'm not seeing this happen in my time frame. I'm not seeing this happen in my scope of things. I'm not seeing this happen according to my timeline. It's not happening enough. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You know what? I got this now. I'm going to do what I think is right. And what happens? We settle for less. Now, I believe the core of this is simply because we don't know how to use or access our faith. 
Now, if you look in your bulletin, here we go. You've got your, um, your, your outline right there. Here's one of your first areas. You're only ever going to experience what you expect. If it's not there, write it down. I'm, I might have missed that point. I apologize. But you're only ever going to experience what you expect. Um, faith is one of the most misunderstood things. And because it's one of the mis- misunderstood things for believers, it's often most underutilized. Honestly, faith, when you hear the word faith sometimes, and, and I've, been, I, I've been where you're at. You know, I've, I've sat there in the congregation hearing somebody speak on faith, and oftentimes I'm going, that's boring. I know I'm supposed to have faith. I know I'm supposed to work up to it. That's not right. You need to know that the faith that you need to utilize within your life is already inside of you. You just need to learn to tap into the source. How do I know this? Because you have a Jesus Christ who performed miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And we know this, that the same power that was within inside of him is the same power that's within inside of you. That what? No, 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 no. That you serve a God, that you serve a heavenly father, that the moment he thought of it, it became what? It happened. That you serve a heavenly father, that the moment you existence ever became, you were what? On his mind. That you serve a heavenly father that said, let there be, and instantly there became. This is the same power that is with inside of each and every one of you. The problem is, is we need to learn to tap into this. We need to learn to access it. It is made available. It's not something that you work toward. It's something that God is saying, look, I have freely given it to you. We've defined faith as positive thinking. They see life a a little more rosy, and people who don't have faith are just what? A little bit more negative. We tend to think that faith is uh, a disposition or that it is a feeling. And we, we oftentimes ignore this, that faith is simply this. It is a tool that has been given to each one of us. It's something that you decide to use or access. Faith is a tool in your hands to bring into life what God has promised over your life. Now think about that. God has promised over your life. I can look back on my life and I can replay the promises that I feel and I know that God is wanting to implement with inside of my life. I look at this church and I know some of those promises and I'm going to get into that in a few minutes. But I look at it and I go, you know what? There's things that God has spoken over every single one of us. And no promise is exactly the same. God has intended for you something different for me. Now, so the basics of faith comes down to really this. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we, what? Hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. Here's another uh, translation, kind of breaks it down like this. Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things that we simply cannot see. Faith is only useful 
Wake up for a moment. You need to write this down. Faith is only useful when it is targeted onto something. In order for faith to be effective, it must attach itself to something. It must be something specific. Watch this. Throughout Scripture, there were many people who were within proximity to Jesus, but yet never received from Jesus. People who were near Jesus, people who talked to Jesus, people who even touched Jesus, but never received the power that was demonstrated through Jesus. Now we see, and this isn't part of my message, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, and I bring this up many times, but the woman with the issue of blood. We understand that story. There was people all around that day We understand that he was walking through the town and there was a crowd, there was multitudes around him pressing in, in fact. So what does that tell us? That there was many people, hundreds of people probably touching him. And this one lady pushes herself through the crowd and touches him and instantly he's like, whoa, something exited from me. Somebody touched me. Something just happened. Why do you think that happened? Because this woman understood she had a faith and an expectation. What do you expect? Her answer was, I expect my healing. Her answer, I expect to be made whole and cleansed. And out of everyone else who was trying to touch Jesus and get his attention, this one woman gets through the crowd and touches and something exited him. And he goes, whoa, wait a minute. Who touched me? Why don't we stop wishing for? Why don't we simply stop settling and start expecting for Jesus to do within our lives the promises that he has spoken over us? Why don't we start answering the question with the specifics when it comes to what? What do you expect? The problem, though, is that faith has become more impractical for us. We don't know how to use faith. Uh, to, to know when we are in faith and what? Not in faith. Walking in faith and not simply what? Walking in faith. What we need to know is simply asking, asking ourselves this question is what do you expect? Now my job today is to help you uh, understand just that. What do you expect? We're going to th- look at three understandings how God conceives a dream. We're going to take a look at a guy named Abraham and his wife, Sarah. We briefly looked at them on one topic last week. We're going to get a little bit deeper here this morning. But here, Abraham, he was a pagan. And God wanted to, you you know the story, right? Remember the father Abraham had many sons. You know what I'm talking about. And many sons have father Abraham. Yeah, I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right? Right arm, left arm, right, left, All right. Y'all get it. That was my solo. That'll be the only one you hear my entire ministry. But seriously, you know, here you got Abraham and Sarah. I'm dumb, I promise. Here you got Abraham and Sarah, and 
you know, Abraham, he's a pagan. You know, he's not worshiping God. He's not doing all these things that he's supposed to be doing. But you know what? One day God appears and says, hey, guess what I'm going to do, man? I'm going to make you the father of many, 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 many nations. He's like, yeah. We've been trying and trying and trying to have kids. But it just ain't happening. And, you know, here he is kind of in this moment of doubt probably thinking, you know. There's just no way this is going to come to be. But God is saying something totally different. He's giving him a promise in that. He's saying, look, Abraham, I want to use you to birth a nation. A nation that we, we, you and I know today as simply as Israel. Showing the world what it looks like to follow me. Why my faithfulness and love, what it really looks like. Abraham's probably saying, you know what? All right, let's do this. You know, if, if you say it, we're going to do it. Let's make this happen. We know through the story, Abraham leaves his hometown. He goes, he begins to follow God. But the, here's the problem. When God calls and comes to him, Abraham's 75 years old and no children. I'll let your imagination just go from there. It's hard to be the father of many nations and yet what? Have no child, especially no male child. So there's a huge issue, and there's a process that must happen while God is conceiving a dream in Abraham before that birth can ever truly take place. So I'm gonna, we're going to start. I'm going to show you this process. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. First of all, I'd be like, what did I eat? You know, well, what, what happened here? I, I must be making this up, right? Do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield. Right there, we understand what is God in that moment? He is our protector. He's showing that I am your protector, right? He says, I am your shield, your very great reward. Verse 2, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham, and Abram, excuse me, said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. There's a promise right there. All right, moving on. Verse 5. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. I love this part right here. If indeed you can count them, I, I, I see that as a sarcastic tone, but you're going to see that as a prophetic message here in just a few minutes. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. What is that? That is the result of the promise. Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, here's three things. How God conceived a dream in Abraham, and how God is conceiving a dream with inside of you. Number one, get alone with God. In verse 1, the scriptures clearly says this. The word of the Lord came to who? Abram. Didn't say it came to Sarah. 
It didn't come to the circle of friendships. It didn't come by way of social media. It didn't come through the television or the radio. It simply came to Abram. It doesn't say it came from anyone else. It came to Abram. God and Abram came together and they were spending time alone. Watch this. Or don't, you understand why. <laughs> this is so dumb, but listen. You are only here because your parents spent time alone. Are you following me? Don't envision it. Don't envision it. Just know. We hope they were alone, okay? Or that's really weird. Now, why, why is this so important? Because of this, it's dangerous to dream without God. To set your heart or your expectation on something, often we are setting our dreams on success or adventure, having the perfect family, right? Understanding this and that. When you work hard enough and long enough, you're going to attain these things. But watch this. We set our hearts or expectations on that dream. We work hard to receive it. And once we realize that something is missing, watch this. We have the house, but something's missing. We have required what? Relationships, but something is missing. Loving relationships, but something is still missing. What's missing here? Abram had acquired servants on servants. He re had required uh, wealth. He had acquired cattle. He had acquired livestock for days. But he didn't have God's dream fulfilled in his life. All up to this point, Abram had settled what looked like to be success was far from God's dream and God's intention. What looked like to be the result was still miles and miles away from where God intended him to be. We often miss the mark because we are settling for the things that we have acquired through our own power rather than being fully submissive in accessing the faith and fulfilling and going after and waiting on God to fulfill the dream within our lives. Now, he didn't have God's dream fulfilled. The world's definition, Abraham was completely successful, but something was still missing. A lot of people, their whole life is what they're chasing their dream. Once they figured out that it's not satisfying, only God can give us the dream that will satisfy our heart. Understand in my little phrase there that I mentioned that we're going after our dream. We're trying to accomplish our dream. What is God's dream for you? What does God want out of your life? How does God want to position you? It's not about you positioning yourself. It's about allowing God to position you. And many times that requires we must get along with God because we have so much noise surrounding us in our everyday walk. 
all over the place. You have such negative talk all around you. Watch this. You even have positive talk that's trying to lead you astray. You have people that you've allowed to become influential in your life that God never intended for them to be influential in your life. Our prayer needs to be, God, you need to, you need to shrink my circle of influence. You need to put some of these relationships to sleep. Some of these relationships no longer need to be, God, you need to do the work. And watch this, sometimes pruning is hard. Why? Because it's eliminating, it's cutting off things that no longer need to be in our lives. But I promise you, when you allow the things that God doesn't want to be in your life to be cut away and to be stripped away, God brings back so much more into it, relationships that are wholesome and loving, relationships, Lord, that, that are following the Lord's plan for your life setting you up into environments that are pleasing in God's sight, setting you up. Amen. Now, but Abraham had to hear God in order to receive his dream. In my opinion, if I were to give you the number one reason as to why I think any believer lives below what God intended for them to live would simply be they cannot hear the Lord. Just think for a moment. How different our lives would be if we listened to God and heard him. Parenting would change. Businesses would shift. Imagine how fulfilled you would be each morning as you wake. There's nothing more powerful or sustaining than hearing God's voice. Now, I've never heard God's voice audibly. I've never heard him specifically speak into my ears. It's kind of like this. I've never heard every radio station, but that doesn't mean they're, they aren't broadcasting. It just means I'm not tuned in. God is wanting to speak into your life but many times he can't do it unless you, what, separate yourself from the noise of everything around you so that you can spend alone time with him. Just because you haven't heard God doesn't mean he's not speaking. So here's a couple things for you that you can do. Withdraw, right? Get away from all the noise in your life. Turn the phone off. Turn the TV off. Everything that is what? Binding your time. I love this. Worship. The Bible tells us that when we open our mouths and sing to God, he picks up his suitcases and he moves into our presence. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. If you can get God's presence in your life, you can hear God's voice in your life. Thirdly, watch this. Read God's word. A lot of people spend their lives looking for a voice instead of, watch this, simply looking for a verse. We spend so much time in the noise of the world and not enough time looking into what? This word. I love this one. I don't. That's sarcasm. You got to wait. Don't be in a hurry. Don't think that God is just going to quickly download his list into your life. Look, God, you know, uh, always, he always knows what is best for our lives. Most of the big things that 
God does starts with those small private moments that are simply what? Alone with him. That's why I love that we come in here on Sunday morning. I also love that we come in here on Wednesday night. And CIS will be on later, DVR it, right? Getting into the house of God must be a priority for every one of us. I mean, who wants to watch American Idol anyway? It's boring this year. I'm only looking for this one dude. I hope he shows up tonight. You know what I'm talking about? I hope he does well, because I've wasted a lot of time. Number two, here we go. Let, and God, let God enlarge your view. This is my favorite, one of my favorite points of this. It wasn't enough for Abraham to just to get alone with God. Scripture uh, tells us that the word of the Lord came to him, but when it came to him, he responded in doubt. He's sitting in his tent. He's covered up. He's pouting because, you know what, his dream isn't being fulfilled. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that moment where things just weren't lining up and you're just like, you know what? I am not happy. I'm going to complain about everything that's bad and I'm going to complain about everything that's good because I'm simply upset. You know, I kind of picture him in his tent like that. He's not happy. He's upset. Things aren't working out. He's in a hurry, right? He's missing one of these key points. For many of you, that's exactly where you are right now within your life. You are hearing these promises in your life. You've heard them over years and years and years. But your expectation has been covered up by your circumstances. I don't see how God is going to be able to help my business. I failed the last two. How God is going to help my marriage. We're barely talking. All this mess, my past, my circumstances, all, it's all affecting and it's covering up my expectation. Do you know what was covering up Abraham's expectation in that moment? His tent. His tent, he's sitting there. He's covered up with complacency. Have you ever been there? Things are good. Let's not shake the boat. Let's not progress. We're doing well. People aren't mad at me, right? People aren't talking bad about me. Let's not say anything controversial. Let's line up with society. Let's line up with the work, right? We get into complacency. We do that in the church. I believe that God is continually stretching the church for purpose. Not going, okay, you're good now, just rest for a couple years. I don't think that's God's plan and will. In order for us to fulfill the great commission and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must continually be stretched. In order for God to fulfill the dreams within your life, you cannot be satisfied with complacency and just what's going on. You know what? I'm good. We don't need to do anything extra, God. We get, what, stuck in a, a tent of comparison. Comparing everyone else's dreams with yours. Or watch this, everyone else's dreams coming true and yours isn't. Well, God, I'm not seeing, you're doing in their lives, but you're not doing in mine. What creeps in? Jealousy. You become jealous over what God is doing in everyone else's, and you, what, 
become very hateful, close-minded, hardened, and numb because he hasn't answered yours the way you think. You need what God gave Abraham a bigger view. Watch this. I loved it. Genesis 15, 5. He took him outside. Here he is. He's in this moment. Complacency, comparing. He's upset. Things aren't being fulfilled the way he wanted them. So what did he do? He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. God is like Abraham. Get your butt up. Get outside. And here's what I want you to do. Look up. Abraham walks out, and he looks up, and he remembers the promise. And the promise is being represented in all these stars. And he says, count them if you can. What does that mean? The promises that I have in your life outnumber what you can even comprehend, outnumber what you can even number. And God is saying the exact same thing over you and I in our lives. He's saying, step out of that tent. You have been down long enough. You have been entrapped with that type of mentality long enough. Step out and begin to look up and see all that I have intended for your life. Try to count them. I dare you because you can't. Now, I love it. Step outside of your tent of what? Stagnancy. You need to be reminded of what? That your God, he's simply this. He's all-powerful. He's an all-knowing God. He's what? An ever-present help. He tells us that what? Where the sun is to shine, and he tells us where simply what? The waves are to stop, and when the wind is to be blown. When it comes to your dreams, his dreams are far greater than what your dreams for your life are whatever be. God is simply telling you and I this. Get a bigger view. You're looking through tunnel vision. Get a bigger view of what it is that I intend to do in your life and what I'm wanting to do. Look, God brought simply man from dirt. He took a shepherd and he made him a king. He took a senior citizen, no offense, and made him a nation. He took fishermen and made them life changers. He took a carpenter and made him the savior of this world. He took the curse of a cross and made it a symbol of eternal life. There's no limit, I'm telling you, to what God can do. Listen, I'm not worried that you're in danger of ruining your life. I'm worried that you're in danger of wasting it. I love this prayer. It comes from, uh, I found this, I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, Sir Francis Drake in 1577, he says this prayer, disturb us, Lord. We could just stop right there and be like, yeah. Disturb what? Disturb our mentality, disturb our thinking. He says, disturb us, Lord. We are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, What is he saying there? The dreams that we are hoping for are coming true simply because we're dreaming too small. When we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore, God, disturb us. 
Don't let us what be a church that believes too little, but let us hold on to every promise within Scripture. Number three, point three. Get a picture of your promise. Watch this. When you get a picture of what you are expecting, you no longer can deny that it's on its way. I remember when uh, Andrea told me that she was pregnant and that, you know, we were going to have a baby. We had no idea uh, what, what it was going to be, you know. And uh, she works at a hospital. She, she works in a department where they do all this viewing your body, you know, radiology. Thank you. And one day I, I, I come home, and uh, she came home that night. And, you know, I was excited, right? I was excited when we're going to have a baby. That is so cool. You know, that is going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm like, now I'm going, well, we could have slowed up a little bit, but, you know. And she brought home this, I think it's a sonogram. That's what they call it. And she brought this home to me, and she laid it in front of me. And the, the girls that were in, in the, um, the, the department uh, who, who took it uh, wrote on there a message, Hi, Daddy. I still have it. And I was looking at it the other day. It was in my office. And I sat there and I looked at that and I said, You know what? That is a promise. That is a gift that God gave me. But, you know, it didn't really sink in until I saw that moment, a picture of it. It wasn't here yet, but I knew it was coming. It was right there in black and white, literally black and white, 3D too, I think, all right? Right there. That changed my entire perspective on it. Why do you think God brought Abraham out of that tent? He said, you need to get a picture of this promise that I have for your life. Begin to look up and see the representation of what is going to come from you. It's far greater than what your mind could ever comprehend. It's far greater than you could ever make up. Now, I love it. I love God's word. He goes on to say, he says, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. That's the result of the promise. And in that moment, verse six, it says this, Abram believed the Lord. Faith in that moment was access. God has given you the ability to picture a life better than what you have. Think of those promises. Think of them in your life. What are those things that God has promised over you that you want to see come? I'm not talking about the wants. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the dreams that God, you know, that God has promised over your life. I tell you, I was, um, I was at a conference two, two, it'll be three years ago, uh, next month, <clears throat> in Florida, in Tampa. And I was there, and I, I had one day before then, I had, had this thought of, for our church, of some changes. But, you know, sometimes you, you think to yourself, well, I'm just thinking of that. That's just stuff that's popping in my head, and I, this is not a reality. These people are not going to go for this. There's no way this is going to be impactful whatsoever. And so I kind of pushed it to the side. And I went to this conference, and I was at this fairly large church. And I was in there, and I remember I was in the middle of the conference, and I was like, I was kind of tired. I was like, I need some coffee. 
they got a cafe. Huh, I'm going to go visit the cafe right quick. And I walked into that cafe, and I got my coffee. I went back in, and I sat down, and I continued to listen to the conference. And it hit me. Wait a minute. This is what came to my mind several weeks or months ago prior to this point. I think this is God's trying to tell me something. Y'all think this is superficial. That's fine. I know better, all right? Because I see what's happening. You may not see it. Some of you are friends, and you'd have never talked to each other out on the, out in the street but you talk to each other when you enter into this cafe. I've seen it happen. Now, I remember coming back and I presented it to the council. And I was like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna knock this out. We're gonna move a nursery over here. We're gonna, and they're just like, dollars, 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 you know? And, and they're like, pastor, I don't know. I mean, we'll trust you. If this is what you think, we're gonna put this in your hands, you know? I'm like, no, it's already in God's hands. It's gonna be. And I remember we started working on it. We tore down a wall. We started stripping carpet out of there, throwing up paint, shiplap, whatever that mess is called. You know, doing all the, putting lights in. And division started coming together. And as division started coming together, what did we have? We had a picture. It's happening piece by piece. God is orchestrating and moving things into place. And I will never forget that first Sunday when we opened that thing up, it was packed, crowded. And one, a couple of them council members came up to me and said, huh, I think you did a good thing. I see what you were talking about now. I'm going to tell you something else that happens to me. I come in here. For years, I would do this. I would come in here and I would, I would have my time of prayer, but I would come up and I would stand up here when nobody else is in here and I would look. And I would see seats full of people. I would see the balcony opened up full of people. Now look, now you're looking around. We're a little bit less than last week, but last week we were over 200. 201 was our count. That is big. I didn't lose hope in that. When we went through what many people, and believe me, I heard this. The best day of of that church is behind them. No. The best days of this church is before us. And listen to me. I'll be truthful. I would stand up here even after some of that, during that really tough season and thereafter, I would stand here and go, God, I remember what you showed me, but man, it's having a hard time believing it. But yet I would stay, I would stand here and it was like, it would come back again to me. And I'm believing and I'm knowing God is not done. God is nowhere near done. The best days of this church are before us. We have not yet seen even a taste of what God has yet to do with the Shinkatig Church of God. And watch this, more importantly, with your life specifically. Some of you, you need to step outside of that tent of comparison, of complacency, of argumental, of no, you know, full of doubt, full of, full of anger even. You need to step out and you need to take a look as Abram did and look into that sky and God challenges you. He says, I dare you to even try to count the promises that I have intended for your life. Now, you need a picture. I am closing wherever he is. Faith in that moment in his life was access. 
you need to get a picture. What is it that God has promised over you? Bring it back. God's wanting to resurrect that in your life. Don't lose hope. Some of you, your dream that God has given you is that your family would fill up a whole entire row with you, worshiping God. Get a picture of that. Speak over that every day. That God, this is a dream that I know, Lord, you have not given up on and I'm not giving up on it either. Some of you, you're looking for that spouse. You're praying about it. Some of you are young. Stay young, 25 or older, till you get married, all right? I'm kidding, kinda, but you know. We can talk about that another time. You know, don't, don't take your movie star and take a picture of like, I'm believing in that. No, no. Just know, Lord, write spouse down. I know that you've got somebody intended specifically for me in my life, and I know you're gonna bring it about. And I'm placing this, Lord, in your hand. You take care of it. Some of you are looking over jobs. You know that God has spoken promise of financial freedom in your life. Well, with that comes responsibility. First, you need to stop spending. You got to stop spending. And then you need to what? You, 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 well, first of all, you got to do what God says to do in the scriptures, to be obedient in your giftings, tithings, and offering. Then you got to stop spending and do the right thing. Watch as God's going to fulfill in your life. What is the dream? I don't know what your dream is, but you do. You know what God has laid on your heart. Salvation of your children, loved ones, financial freedom, marriage. You know, uh, spiritually, I want to feel great. That's a dream that God has for all of us. Don't lose sight of it. God has got so much planned for your life. What do you expect? Let's get specific in this. What is the dream that God has given you? What do you expect? Stay with me this morning. Habakkuk says something great. He says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. I love, there's another translation that simply says it this way. And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. Do you ache for the coming of the dream in your life? Do you ache for that? It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's still on its way. It will come in the right time. Amen. So with all of that, what do you expect? What are you expecting God to do? Because simply this, I believe you will experience what your answer is. The dream that God has laid. He didn't give the dream for it to be unfulfilled. Let me say that again. He didn't give the dream for it to be unfulfilled. Let's say it one more time. He didn't give the dream for it to be unfulfilled.
fulfilled. Now, all of this is great. I love God's dreams. I love his provision. I love him watching over us. But if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the first thing that must happen in you. You've got to have Jesus. Before you can have provision, you've got to have Jesus. Before you can have dream, you've got to have Jesus. Before any of this can ever be fulfilled in your life, you must have Jesus. So I want everybody to close your eyes. I want you to reflect on your life. Today could be the day of salvation if you choose it. Today could be the day where everything changes. Today can be the day where your eternal existence will not be in a damnation of hell, but will be in his kingdom forever and ever. Paul says your mere existence here is like a vapor compared to what your eternal existence is. And if that's you today and you can say, Pastor, I've not accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And today, I want to make that happen. Today, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. I want to see those hands. I see them. This is your moment. I see it. If you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, today, salvation in your life. All right, you can put them down. Let's say this prayer boldly together. Dear Jesus, Today, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. From this moment forward, I live my life for you. Be the Lord of my life. Be my master and be my Savior. From this moment on, protect me, lead me, and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that? Absolutely. Amen. Now, here's where we get down to. Everybody here's a Christian. At least that's what I believe. You better be now. You had an opportunity. But what do you expect? We're gonna, we got three more weeks of this. This is going to be fantastic. It's going to be eye-opening. You're going to walk away from this sermon series completely different in your mind when it comes to faith. But maybe you've not accessed this faith. Maybe those dreams have died out. Maybe you've not grabbed a hold of it like you know you should. Because remember, faith isn't a disposition. It's not an emotion. It's not any of that. Faith has already been given to you. You just need to grab a hold of it, access it, put the faith, target it to something, to something. I believe greater days are ahead of you for your life. I know that because God's promised it over every single one of you. So my prayer today is going to be simply this, that God, may we access your faith every day stronger like we've never done before. May we tap in to the source because, Lord, you are our faith and you are in our lives. Therefore, that faith is there. So if that's you today, you can say, Pastor, you know what? I need to tap into this source. I want to tap into it. I want to access it differently than I ever had before. I want to look at faith differently. It's not about me working up to it. It's already there. You got it. It's in you. Just take it, access it, and put it to the dream. If that's you today, slip up your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for this day and all that you're doing in it, Father. And Lord, we just ask 
that you would move mightily in every life. You see every hand, you know the heart, you know what everyone's expectations are moving away from them. Lord, that we need to access your faith. That faith is only good when it's targeted to something. Let that something, Lord, be the dreams that you've planted in all of our lives. May it be the dreams, Lord, through the promises that you have given us through your word. May it be the promises, Lord, that you've put into our hearts and our expectations, God. Maybe from this day forward, look at faith differently. That, God, it's not a, an emotion or a disposition, but, God, you are faith. You are the ultimate source. So we target these dreams. We target these promises to you. We give them over to you, God. And Lord, help us get out of that tent. Help us to look up into that sky and dare to count the promises that you have for each one of us. Because Lord, your plans are far greater than anything we could ever think of or imagine. So God, from this moment, from this day, as we move forward, as we learn more of your word, May we do so with an openness, Lord, that we're continually accessing your word, accessing you, accessing, accessing this faith. Touch every life that when we leave here today, God, those dreams now become more of a reality. They're rebirthed in us. We're excited again. We're on fire for these things again. We're anticipating, Lord, again, because, Lord, we know that you are going to fulfill. And so God, we place all of this in your hand. So God, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you guys.